Sometimes we come to church with so many things on our minds and hearts. God desires to melt those things away so that you might see his son, Jesus. thank you, Lord, for, God, the immense privilege that we have to gather together today. And Lord, these, these freedoms that we have so enjoyed over these centuries in our country are, they're being challenged. And Father, I'm thankful for those that came this morning, not in the spirit of fear, but God, I pray a uh, a hungry spirit to hear from you. Lord, my heart has been blessed as we have sung worship unto you. I'm thankful that there aren't many gods. I'm thankful that we cannot fashion you as a God, hence that would make us God, but instead, Lord, that we can submit to you as being all-powerful. And Father, I pray that, Lord, you'd bless this time now. I pray that, Father, that, Lord, you'd help me to submit to your working, to your leading to your sovereignty, and Lord, that you would do what you would see fit to do in the next 30 minutes or so, and God will give you all the glory and all the praise for all that is said and done, and we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Please take your Bibles and turn to Isaiah chapter 55. Young people, you may be dismissed at this time for your class. You can see Miss Adrian is in the back there, over to your class. I want to say something really quick, moms and dads, as your children are as your children are leaving to uh, head to uh, kids' church. Uh, one of the uh, one of the things that we are uh, implementing, we're going to be implementing many things, but one of the things we're trying to implement with some of the things that have gone on in our country with the uh, Sutherland Springs and different things is once the children get in there uh, into the classroom, moms, and I want you to know that uh, that that door is being uh, that door is being locked, uh, and so they won't be opened until a parent comes and gets them uh, after church. And uh, that they can that they can be seen. We're just trying to take you know a few measures here and there just for the safety of your children. Uh, and every one of our uh, workers that work with kids, they have been uh, screened uh, for their background. It's because your children mean a lot, a great deal to us. And so uh, please keep that in mind. Uh, don't send over a teenager or anybody younger to get your kids afterwards. Moms and dads, you'll need to go over. And if you're wondering where they're meeting, I'd be happy to. Uh, to show you, but it's on the back side of our fellowship hall, the very first classroom there uh, by the playground. And so uh, I appreciate teachers that are willing to uh, kind of uh, just change some things just for the safety of our children. I want to ask you a question this morning coming off of Thanksgiving and uh, as we kind of end the Thanksgiving weekend. And here's the title of the message and the question for you this morning. Are you satisfied? Are you satisfied? Now, i got to be honest with you. Um, uh, my Thanksgiving kind of started on Wednesday. 
uh, because my in-laws, they, uh, they tend to invite over a ton of people uh, to their house for Thanksgiving, hence our whole church. I invited all of you, and it was really good. I didn't get to see you, but hey, you could have come. You know, it would have been just about a seven-hour drive or whatnot down to Southern California. But, so they kind of do just a family thing on Wednesdays. Uh, with just like, you know, we had people come from uh, Arizona and a couple families up here from the Bay Area come down. And so just a family thing on Wednesday and then the whole ordeal uh, takes place on Thursday. So I got two different Thanksgiving meals and I'll tell you what, I was stuffed. Let me ask you a question again. Are you satisfied? Are you satisfied? I don't know if you can really see it there, but there's a big old Thanksgiving meal there and uh, it's delicious. I hope you had a good time. Uh, We tried to be uh, you know, a blessing to people, and I, I hope that I hope that you had a wonderful, uh, wonderful Thanksgiving. But uh, I, I want to try to I want to try to answer that question here this morning, and uh, by using Isaiah fifty five, we'll begin in verse number one. It says, "Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price." Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear, and come unto me. Hear, and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David." Behold, I have given him for a witness to the people, a leader and commander to the people. Behold, thou shalt call a nation that thou knowest not, and nations that knew not thee shall run unto thee because the Lord thy God and for the Holy One of Israel, for he hath glorified thee. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. We live in an age that is exceeding with much. We live in an age with so much, and yet why do we live as if we have so little or act as if? We have so little. You and I are living in a day when uh, we probably have more than the vast majority of the world around us. And yet, satisfaction seems to be so elusive. It seems to be so difficult to find. It seems to always be beyond the grasp of the Christian as well as certainly the lost man or woman, and I don't believe it's only in America, I think just satisfaction as a whole is elusive. Why do we struggle so much to be content? For those that uh, weren't able to be in our uh, 10 o'clock Bible study, I spent about six to seven weeks in a series entitled, What is the Secret to Contentment? And it is my prayer that this message will complement that series. How fragile this morning is your contentment? How fragile this morning is your is your joy? I don't know about you, but when I pushed away from the table on Wednesday night, mercy, I was so 
full, I'll confess my sin of gluttony, the, uh, the message that rarely comes from the, the, the pulpits of Baptist churches. I get that. But I stuff my, push myself away, and, you know, and they, they start talking about dessert coming too. I'm thinking, mercy, I'm like too full to, you know, to, to have any dessert. And there was cakes, and there was pies, and there was cheesecakes, and all those different types of things to eat. And, and so as I, as I pushed away from the table, I'll be honest with you, I was content. I didn't, I didn't want any more. I didn't want to eat any more. But you know what happened Thursday morning? I woke up to my stomach just growling like crazy. I don't know about you, but when I, when I tend to overeat, the next day is even worse. You know, it, just, it just kind of gets you in some ravenous mood. And so what happens is, is our, our, our contentment, to be honest with you, it's, it's rather fragile. How much of your life, hear me, how much of your life, whether a lot or a little, would have to change for you to all of a sudden become joyless? For you all of a sudden to plunge into a state of discontent? And with this kind of theme going on throughout these weeks, I, wanna, I want us to challenge us with this idea that for many of us, it doesn't take much. It just takes a change of a circumstance here and there. Oftentimes, our, uh, the, the world of our contentment is based on things going according to our plans. That it works out for our purposes. But I'll be honest with you, as Christians, we should have a different perspective. Rather than our contentment hinging on everything going according to plan and, and the success of uh, what we want, we need to find our contentment in God's sovereign providential ways and plans uh, in your life. And so what I want us to do for the next, I, I don't know, 25 minutes or so, I want us to, I want us to kind of examine here Isaiah 55. I want, us to, I want us to look at this text, and I want us to kind of glean on, some, uh, on what we can learn with this calling that comes with being a Christian and being satisfied. I want you to notice, first of all here, is that everyone wants more. Everybody wants more. Now, I think if you took a moment to ponder that, you probably would say, you know what, Ryan? You're right. I want I want a little bit more. Now, I'm actually not a, even though I joked quite a bit about last night, I'm actually not a huge turkey fan. I like ham and things like that. But you know what? I'll take another Thanksgiving meal today. I'll be honest with you. I mean, it'd be great. And for those of you that can stay after and, uh, you know, we'll decorate the auditorium and the property for Christmas. I can't promise a Thanksgiving lunch for you, but but we'll have something and we'll have some good food. But, But we always want more. How many of you... Let me just ask you a quick question. There's some sports fans in here, and they're probably really big sports fans because I talk about it too much. But how many of you would like the Warriors to win the finals this year? Say amen. Amen, amen means I agree, okay? I would say, oh, me, all right? But you would say amen. Well, two out of the last three years isn't enough for you? No. You want, you want a third? Yes. You all, y'all are spoiled. But what happens is, and I had, a little, I had a little bit of fun with that, but, but you and I, we always, we really do, we always want more. In this passage, it, it opens up with this amazing call. Look what it says in verse number one. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, 
Come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. You know what Isaiah doesn't do there? Isaiah never writes that there's only a particular group of people who were seeking satisfaction. You and I, we, we're all seeking it. We're all seeking satisfaction. Every person who has ever drawn a breath has sought for satisfaction, has sought for this, this more or where finally it becomes enough. In his divine wisdom, God built in spiritual hunger and spiritual thirst into the heart of every human being. Everyone is seeking fulfillment. Everyone is seeking hope and meaning and purpose. Now, whether that person knows it or not, there is a void in their soul that only can be filled with God. Every single person that walks this earth that has taken a breath, they're, they're seeking fulfillment. They're, they're seeking more. And listen, only Christ, only God can be the one that fulfills that, that can ultimately satisfy you and me. This hunger, this thirst for satisfaction. I'll be honest with you, it's a grace as well as a danger. The reason why it is a grace that has been given by God is because you and I, we have the very capacity to hunger and to thirst after God. Listen, He's the one that put that in you. When you have a desire for God, when you have a hunger and a thirst, it is God that is the one that gives it to you, but it's also a danger because you and I were created to hunger. You and I were created to thirst. Not only a physical hunger and a physical thirst, you've been created with a spiritual thirst. You've been created with a spiritual hunger. You and I have been created in the image of God. We've been going through a series of what is truth, and we're going to take about a we're going to take the, the, the month, actually the last two weeks in this month of December uh, on a break. We're going to preach some Christmas series, and then starting in the new year, we're going to go back to that series on, on what is truth. And you and I know that we were created by God, and we were created with these hungers and with these thirsts. But the reason why that hunger and thirst can be a danger is because you and I will chase after things, dangerous things at times, hoping they'll satisfy the twisted desires of our hearts. So here's what you and I, I'm going to try to get something across here real quick. Here's what you and I need to understand at the very, uh, at the very beginning of this message. Every day, you're going to wake up hungry and thirsty. And every day, you will chase after something in the hopes of satisfaction. Every single day. You're going to wake up seeking that hunger and thirsting after something. So let me ask you a question. What are you chasing? What are you chasing? Only you can answer that. What are you chasing to fulfill who you are? What is it that you're chasing? And let's be cautious before we say, hey, hey, I chase after Jesus. I, I yeah, I chase after the Lord. Let's be cautious. My prayer is that that, that that is you, or certainly that you and I would submit to the Lord and ask him to help us in a few minutes for that to be the case in our life. But before we just say, hey, I chase after Jesus, I, I chase after the Lord, let's, let's just acknowledge that that's not always the case. But every single day of your life, you are going to be chasing something. 
Every one of us, we're still hungry. Oh, we might have filled up this week at Thanksgiving, and I don't know if you like the regular rolls or the Hawaiian rolls. I am a Hawaiian roll kind of guy. Bring it on. Somebody missed the memo in Southern California. They brought regular rolls. Man, see, I complained in the Marquita in the middle of a message. Just preached on don't complain at 10 o'clock. I wanted, the, I wanted those Hawaiian rolls, good stuff. But every one of us, we want something. We wake up this Sunday morning and, and, we're, and we're, seeking, we're seeking something. We all want more. Let me say secondly here from this text, creation can never satisfy. Creation can never satisfy. The passage continues with the fact that there is a horizontal pursuit for satisfaction. That guess what? It will come up empty every single time. We see in verse number two of our text, it says, Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Isaiah, he, he, he makes it clear that, that there's two contrasting substances available. That which satisfies the soul and that which does not. That which satisfies the soul and that which does not. And we know from Scripture and from other passages that, that the creation, it, it fails to satisfy the soul. From the very beginning of time, we have we begin to, we've bought into the lie that somehow we can find life that is outside of God. You know, Isaiah is saying here, he's like, listen, you can, you can get, you can pursue that which pleases the soul or that which satisfies the soul, and you also can pursue that which does not satisfy the soul. Well, let's start it all the way in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Nick, if you can bring that verse up, please. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? What's the answer to that question? Were they allowed to eat of every single tree of the garden, yes or no? No. Were they allowed to eat 99.9999999% of everything that was in the garden, yes or no? Yes. But there was one tree. You go back to Genesis 2, verses 14 to 15. God says to the tree of the, uh, of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat that. You can eat of every single thing that was in the Garden of Eden. You can, you can be satisfied with all of that. It was a lot. But there's this one thing that you can't have. It's one thing that you should not eat of. Now, if we were to kind of bring that into today's vernacular, that one thing would definitely be peas. Not for the peas, gross, you know, it's just nasty stuff. Any of you pea, pea lovers in here? Anybody in here? Girl, ugh, nasty stuff. But back in the Bible, tree of knowledge of good and evil. They could have it all. And so Satan, he, he poses this question, pick it up in verse number two. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you should not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, we know that God didn't say you couldn't touch it. Maybe Adam added that additional, you know, fence to the life. I don't have a problem with that. But look at verse number four. And the serpent said to the woman, you should not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, 
and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Can you just picture Satan kind of just saying, hey, God's keeping something from you. God's keeping you in the dark. Man, there's, there's something on the other side of that veil. Woo! There's something awesome over there. Does God, excuse me, does Satan ever talk to you like that? And he does to me. He enters into this conversation. You know, it's not always audible. It's a lot of times between these two ears right here. And he talks to me. And he begins to say, hey, look at what's on the other side of that door. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is, this is great. Satan doesn't dog that. It's great. But there's something over here that would be even better. Do we not live in a world that's like that? I joked at 10 o'clock. Do you know how many? It felt like thousands of emails I got the week of Thanksgiving. Black Friday, Black Friday. You know, every single company that you've ever given your email to. Shame on us for doing that, right? They sent, I mean, multiple times a day. Groupon, like 10 different times. New Black Friday, New Black Friday, New Black Friday. You need more, and you need more, and you need more, and you need more. Guess what? You and I need to come to the realization, first point, that you do want more. You need to realize that. And then you and I need to understand that Isaiah certainly can tie in here with Genesis 1. It's like, listen, creation, this horizontal pursuit will never satisfy. Maybe it's an achievement in your life. Maybe it's a possession. Maybe it's a collection of possessions. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's an, an experience. There's all different types of things. And, and I want to give you a, a helpful diagnostic that I've suggested to you before. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask yourself this question. If only I had, then I would be happy. I've asked you that question multiple times. What would you put in there? If I only had. Then I'd be happy. Do you know how sinful that statement is? Because you and I, what, we're supposed to rejoice evermore. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I, we're, this kind of goes along with the 10 o'clock, you and I are supposed to live as lights in a dark and, 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 and reprobate world around us. You and I, are, we're, we're to live as lights. We're to, we're to shine into that. But you and I, we've we got to realize that we're to do so without murmuring, without complaining. You and I are supposed to be men and women, believers of Christ that are are happy Christians, so to speak. Yet oftentimes we, we put something in that blank. Oh, if only my parents would watch my kids for a few weeks. That'd be great. By the way, they are. And you know what I complained about last night? My house was way too quiet. I was like, Sarah, can you just like run around and just make some noise or something? And I joked. Contentment, it's elusive in a fallen world, isn't it? It's elusive. People move through life full of regret of the past, anxiety about the future, and dissatisfaction with the present. But frankly, I can understand. It's understandable. And the reason why is because life rarely plays out in alignment with our desires. Let me ask you a question. Have some things happened in your life lately that you didn't like? 
that didn't fully go your way, I think every single one of us could say, yeah, absolutely. And all of us, that, that thing or things in plural form are going to be different based on the different lives that we live. But wealth, hear me, wealth, power, prestige, and temporal pleasure, they all hold a strong allure. Absolutely, even to me, absolutely. I don't want to be up here like I'm some some perfect person. Absolutely. Your pastor struggles with these same things. But you know what? They only cultivate even more of a thirst for more. They end up becoming a source of more dissatisfaction than the solution to it. And so what would you put in there? Giving you about five minutes to think about it. What would you put in there if I only had... If I only had a car that worked, if I, if, if I only had a home, if I only had more of a bank account, if I only had a nice purple shirt like Ryan has, that's nice, isn't it? Got it for like seven bucks, Black Friday, it's great. If I only had a relationship, if I only had whatever, then I would be happy. We all want more. The fact that you and I can put multiple things in on that line proves that we all want more. Everyone that thirsteth, everyone that hungers, that's, that's us. And then Isaiah says, oh, by the way, creation, it doesn't satisfy. You, you're, you, can't, you can't be satisfied by buying things that were never meant to satisfy you, is what those couple verses said. And so let me ask you a question. If the created world doesn't satisfy then what does or who does? Well, of course, we know the answer would be, thirdly, only Jesus satisfies. I want you to try to say that with me. Ready? Begin. Only Jesus satisfies. Let's try it again. One, two, three. Even when we're saying that, I don't even think we believe it. But hey, honesty hour right now, okay? Let's not just play church. Sometimes only Jesus satisfies. It's true. The answer, of course, if it can't, it's not found on a horizontal basis because you know why? You and I, we're trying it. We're trying to buy and sell and, and, and get gain, as James talks about. But you know what? It's not satisfying. It's not satisfying to you. It's not satisfying to me. And so let's see what what, what Isaiah, he said some light on this. Verse number three. Incline your ear and come unto me. Hear and your soul shall live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. Even the sure mercies of David. Behold, I have given him for a witness to the people, a leader and commander to the people. Behold, thou shalt call a nation that thou knowest not, and nations that knew not thee shall run unto thee because of the Lord thy God and for the Holy One of Israel, for he hath glorified thee. Now to help us to understand what Isaiah is prophesying there, what I want us to do is I want to look into our New Testament where the Apostle Paul shed some light 
into what Isaiah is speaking of here, and he's talking and it's pointing to the person and the work of Jesus Christ. That's what Isaiah is doing. He's talking about the lineage of David. And let's pick up in Acts 13. It'll be up on the screen there, verse 22. And when he had removed him, being Saul, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Of this man's seed hath God, according to his promise, raised unto Israel, just what Isaiah was talking about, a Savior, and who does Paul say? Jesus. Talk to me again. One, two, three. Jesus. I know it feels like kindergarten this morning. I'm sorry. We've had a lot of turkey, okay? Trying to keep you awake. All right? Jesus. So Isaiah was talking about prophesying that Jesus was going to come. He was going to come through the lineage there of David. Isaiah talks about the removing there of Saul and, and, and David being esteemed as king. But through his line, ultimately, there would come the virgin birth. Can't wait to teach on that here in a few weeks. The virgin birth of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only one that can satisfy. He's the only one. I've spent a lot of time talking about non-spiritual things. You cannot be satisfied by those. I mean, I saw some pictures of literally, I mean, just piles of TVs and people just fighting over those things. Like that 70-inch TV is going to satisfy you. You have a 65-inch and you need a 70? I was trying to convince my wife that I needed a 70. She's down in the nursery. Can you help me? I think deals are still going on. A 70 would look really, really, really good. And we have a, listen, we have a, we have a beautiful TV stand that we got uh, several years ago. It was nice and it's solid. But you know what I want? Costco has right now. So let me put this on your, you know, on your Christmas list for pastor, okay? And it's this beautiful new tall TV stand and it's got a fireplace in it too. Oh, man. It's electrical. You know, it's okay. Oh, man. I need one of those. I needed it so bad that I actually went later on Black Friday. We slept in, praise the Lord. If you didn't, hey, more power to you. We slept in, went to Costco. We walked in there. We were hoping maybe one of their Christmas trees was on sale. It wasn't. Smart on them. You still got to buy those. And then we see that TV or that TV stand, the fireplace. Oh, so nice. $150 off. Just thinking to myself, mmm. That satisfy me. And you know what the Holy Spirit of God did? He, I'm sure he does this to you. He talks to you, right? Not audibly, but it might as well have been audibly. He's like, Ryan, you are a knucklehead if you think that's going to satisfy you. And praise God we had the willpower to walk out. Amen. Let me just say really quick here. You, you listening? Not only worldly things cannot satisfy, but can I make a point here real quick? We think sometimes churchy things will satisfy our soul. Now, by all means, you should, you should attend Sunday worship. You should, you should participate in, in small groups in our Bible study in the middle of the week. And you ought, to, you ought to serve the Lord in many capacities. You ought, to, you, you, you ought to take some of these and you ought to give them to your neighbors and, and do some of these streets. Listen, we ought to do some of those things, but those will not satisfy you. They won't. We don't do those things in hope for satisfaction. 
Jesus is not something to, uh, someone or something to simply study or simply to participate with. He is a person that we're called to literally feed on, to finding our life, finding our breath in him. John tells us in John 6, 35, and Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Sound a little bit like Isaiah's opening of this chapter. You're hungry, you're, you're thirsty. You know what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying, hey, hey, come to me. I can satisfy that. I can take care of your hunger. I can take care of, your, uh, of the thirst that you have. Job tells us, oh, what a passage. Job 23, 12, neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. John 10, 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus is speaking, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. You know what Jesus says? Jesus says, I satisfy. I satisfy. You say, Ryan, you preach that every week because he does. He satisfies. The endless pursuit, hear me, the endless pursuit was finished when Jesus said, I is finished. The cross. Oh, certainly it was the work of the Father that he had for him, and it was the salvation of our souls. But listen to me, it is also the pursuit becomes finished in Jesus. I'm concerned that especially in Western Christianity that we try to, we try to squeeze Jesus into the available slots of an already crazy, hectic, too busy schedule. Well, let's just... Let's just put Jesus into his spot. Let's just, you know, let's just kind of make him an ornament on our tree rather than him being the entire tree, so to speak. And so let me give you the fourth thought here from the text. You doing okay? All right? Number four, choose Jesus today. Choose him today. Our passage for today ends with this, this time-sensitive Response or this time-sensitive call that says in verse 6, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the righteous, unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Listen this morning, I, I, I believe as I look out that I, that I know most everybody here. But listen, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've never had your sins pardoned, make today that day where you, where, where you turn to Christ, where you, where you turn from your pursuit, where you turn from just the, 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 the desires to, to make this life be everything. And you turn from that. You turn from that sin and you turn to Christ, the great lover of our soul and the satisfier of our soul. But you might be thinking here this morning, Ryan, I, I've already accepted Christ as my Savior. By God's grace, I, I, I responded to that call. I can, I can go back to a time when, when, when someone preached Christ to me and, I, and I, I accepted him as my Savior. And I would say to you that you are, in one sense, completely right. 
Your salvation is absolutely a one-time decision with eternal pardon. You and I, you can pillow your head tonight in complete peace that if it were to take your last breath, you'd spend eternity in heaven. You are 100% right about that. But in another sense, God calls you to seek him every single day. With each and every sunrise, God is inviting you to quit chasing after the hollow promises of creation and find satisfaction in Christ. Oh, I am not up here this morning preaching against Black Friday shopping. Oh, if you wanted to go out and get a good deal, awesome. I'm not preaching against the awesome meals that you had throughout the week. No, 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 no. I look forward to it again next week and next year. Amen? But that's never going to satisfy. You're going to wake up tomorrow morning. You're going to wake up tomorrow morning, just like I said earlier. And you know what? You're going to be hungry. You're going to be thirsty. You're going to want more. And you know what God does each and every sunrise? He gives you Christ. Lamentations 3.22 says, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Ladies and gentlemen, you wake up tomorrow morning. You might not have a lot compared to what this world deems is of great value. Yet if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, he is enough. He's the satisfier of your soul. As you go out and you live your life, can I challenge you with one more thing and we'll be done. It's the end of this Thanksgiving weekend and I want to, I just want to challenge you with one more thing. If you have responded to that time-sensitive call, there's going to come a day when Christ is going to return and that call the way that you and I know it today is going to, is going to cease. And so that is time-sensitive. And so if you're here this morning, you don't know Christ, make today that day. You don't know if you have tomorrow. But if you are here and you've, and you've responded to that time-sensitive call for eternal pardon, there are millions of people around you that have not. And one of the best ways, hear me, one of the best ways to draw people to Christ is to show people how satisfied you are with him. one of the most powerful ways to be a gospel witness is to be satisfied with Christ. Certainly there's going to need to be some verbal explanation. Absolutely that's going to be necessary. But if your lifestyle is characterized by a deep satisfaction in something other than the created world, the stuff that they're seeking, people are going to contrast their hunger. They're going to contrast their thirst with your satisfied soul and they're going to begin to wonder and I'm not trying to be funny what are they eating? What are they drinking? What's, what's different about that man? What's different about that woman? What's different about that mom that had to deal with a miscarriage from the neighbor that had to deal with a miscarriage? What's wrong with that person that had a struggle in their marriage? What's wrong with that, that person that, that, that lost a job and that Christian that had the same thing and their life was different? You cannot control your circumstances. You can't control tomorrow. But you know what you can control? 
whether or not you're going to be satisfied with Christ. Is he really enough, Ryan? That's the question I've been asking myself all weekend. Is he really enough? Is he really enough on the Sunday after Thanksgiving? Oh, it's always the Sunday after Thanksgiving. Pastors love that Sunday. Not. We love every Sunday, but I'm just trying to be real with you. And Jesus was saying, hey, 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 Ryan, am I going to be enough when you see a ton of blue chairs? I like seeing people in the chair, but, you know, I see a lot of blue chairs today. Am I going to be enough? Am I going to be enough? Am I going to be enough? Can I ask you the question, is Jesus enough? Are you satisfied? Here's what I want us to do. We're going to do a, we're going to do a different kind of invitation here. Here's what I want us to do. I want you and I to ask God to help you taste and see that the Lord is good and be satisfied. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Ask him to help you with that right now. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, you want to know how God wants you to answer, how he wants to answer that question? wants to point you to Christ. Believer, who can you shine a satisfied soul to this week? Come on, ask God to help you with up wanting more that's a grace and a danger the grace is, is that God gave you the mercies with this morning's sunrise to be satisfied in him thank you for your word. God, I thank you for the power of it. And Lord, it's nothing new. Satisfaction in Jesus, simply another reminder on the Sunday in November of 2017. Father, we want to make much of your son every week. Father, I pray that each of us, God will taste and see that you are good. God, that we would taste and see, we would drink of you, we would eat of you, as Job talked about, as necessary food. Spiritually, we would just revel in who you are and your love and your goodness to us. Father, so we might live as men and women in a dark and perverse world around us, that we would live as people that are satisfied, where we can push away from the table and say, Jesus is enough. Lord, I pray that you'd help me with that. And God will give you all the honor and all the glory for everything that is going to take place in our